CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. And hello there, Options Action fans. I am Brian Sullivan. Melissa has a well-deserved night off, and we've got a big show on tap for you on this Friday. Here's what's coming up. Ready, set, report. We're about to kick off the busiest week of earnings season. Chartmaster Carter Worth has your setup with the five biggest stocks in the market on deck with results. Plus... Snap soaring on the back of a big beat. And that's got Tony Zhang pinning his hopes on another social media stock breaking out on earnings. And later, forget Ford versus Ferrari. Mike Coe is plugging into a new electrified car race. The one name he's betting on to take the checkered flag. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Seems like a big show, right? It certainly is. And let's kick things off because look at that, a multi-trillion dollar countdown. Some of the names that are reporting next week, their earnings. In fact, check this. The five biggest companies in the entire market all on deck to report next week. And some of the stocks setting at all-time highs. And the chart master says these heavy hitters could really test this record rally. Carter, why do you say that? What are you watching? Sure. So just for a factoid, what we know is that it's fairly rare for the five largest stocks to all report in the same week. In the joint history of these five, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Amazon, the only five other times in 10 years have they reported on the same week. Interestingly, it hasn't been a good week typically for the market in the week in question. But holding that aside, what it really means is it all depends on how these stocks do. Let's look at a few uh, statistics and then a chart or two. The first slide, this is telling. Now, it's a very straightforward uh, sort of this equals that. When tech is up on any given day, week, month, year, the market is up 80% of the time. Now, when growth is up, and it's important to differentiate because Amazon used to be in tech and it's not. Google used to be in tech and it's not. When growth is up, the market is up 92% of the time. And then here's the one that sort of puts the whole rotation crowd uh, back on their feet. When growth is up, value is up 84% of the time. It's not about one or the other. Look at the next table. It's the same thing in reverse, wow. which is to say when tech is down on any given day, any given week or month, the market is down 82% of the time. When growth is down, the market is down 88% of the time. And then here's the thing. When growth is down, doesn't mean value is up. Value is also down 80%. So much depends on the big names. So let's look at those top five. Here is a chart. It's the top five plotted equal weight. So you know the names, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook. They collectively are 24% of the S&P, 9.5 trillion, and it is a perfectly orderly uptrend. You can see it there. Now, second of the last two charts. Take a look at this two panel. We're looking at the same thing again on the top, the top five basket, the 24% of the S&P. And on the bottom is relative performance to the S&P 500. And so for a whole year, we know these have been sort of dormant, underperforming. People are very worried about interest rates, trying to chase cyclicals. And yet what's 
happening, of course, is these are coming back in a big way relative to the market. And then finally, mm -hmm. let's look at the biggest one of all, Apple, last chart. Well-defined tops at a common level, just now breaking out. This alone is 6.1% of the S&P. We think it punches higher. We're looking for 160. It closed at 148 and change. Uh, great charts there and amazing stats on just the importance of technology to this market. All right, so let's get right now, I guess, into the action. And Mike is betting on big things when the biggest of them all reports their results next week. Of course, obviously, we're talking about Apple, but also, Mike, in Fast Money, to Carter's point, you made an amazing point about the options activity just with big tech. It's not just about equity and options. I mean, these things control the entire market. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is it's certainly true for equities. It's even more true for options. The biggest names that we're talking about and these big five, really. So I'm going to ignore Tesla amongst those that are reporting next week and call it its own case. But the big five names obviously represent a hugely disproportionate amount of the options market. Now, a quick point that I would like to make about all of these stocks, because after such an extended run that we've seen in equities and seeing a lot of these companies trading at all time highs, people are concerned about valuations. Apple actually is the one that between the full year 2019 versus the full year 2022 EPS expectations in terms of net income growth is actually the one that's anticipating the lowest growth of those five. And still we're looking at 60 percent EPS growth between full year 2019 and 2022. Obviously, I want to sort of set the last year and a half aside and not really look at that. Microsoft, 80 percent. Alphabet and Facebook, more than 100% gains on their net income, and Amazon probably a four-bagger in terms of EPS growth over that same time period. So in many cases, the valuations you're seeing, assuming these earnings hold up, and that's the important point, these valuations actually could make a lot of sense. What if they don't? So we don't want to have that exposure to the downside after we saw Monday's downdraft. We know that there is some nervousness in the market that people are ready to turn seller if they get some news that's bad. So how can we get some exposure to the upside, mitigate the downside? In Apple, I was taking a look at using a call spread. Specifically, I was looking at the September 150-165 call spread, that $15 wide call spread spending $4.95 for the 150 calls, selling the higher strike calls for $1.15. My net debit would be about $3.80. That gives us that three to one payoff ratio that we like to look for. Gives me a little bit of time for this to play out. Obviously captures earnings. And of course, going into earnings, one of the things you often see is that options premiums will be slightly elevated. Using spreads helps mitigate that. In total, I'd be risking just under 2.6% of the current stock price to make that bullish bet. All right, Tony, before we get to your social media pick, what's your take on Apple? What's your take on Mike's trade? Yeah, so this is one where, uh, at least on the stock itself, I'm a little conflicted because from a technical perspective, it looks fairly constructive. You have the breakout above that 145 level and relative to its sector, you've seen some strong performance going into earnings. Those are very constructive items. But when you look at the fundamentals and you look at the business, uh, the hardware business I expect to be fairly strong with respect to iPhone 12 sales. But when you look at the higher margin business, you look at app store growth, you look at gaming right now, we're seeing some deceleration on those revenues. So that could potentially bring multiples lower here. So for those reasons, you know, coupled with the fact that the stock is up 25% over the fast past five months, uh, I'm sorry, the past five weeks, 
This means that I think there's fairly limited upside here on this earnings report, but that's particularly why I like Mike's trade. The, the debit spread that he's using is one of the most capital efficient ways to play for directionally to the upside while doing so with the, limit, with the smallest amount of risk. As he said, he's only risking 2.5% of the stock's value to take a bullish bet going out to September. So for those reasons, I do like this particular trade. Okay, good stuff there. Tony, we're going to stay with you. We're going to stay with earnings, but we're going to move on to a different name. Now, look at Snapchat. The stock soaring nearly 24% today on the back of a big beat. And that monster move has Tony licking his chops that another social media name might step up to the plate. It is about Tony who? Uh, the stock that we want to take a look at here is Pinterest because going into earnings, I think... Uh, looking at Snapchat is a pretty good uh, analog for what we may expect here going into Pinterest earnings next week. So if we look at this, uh, the chart here for Snapchat, what's particularly interesting here is that the stock in the, in the pandemic lows rallied from $8 to $73, which is roughly an 800% return over that period of time. And then it spent the last five months consolidating within a tight range and finally broke out yesterday on earnings up, as you said, 24% here today. Now, if we take a look at the chart here for Pinterest, you have an almost exact same setup. The stock rallied from about $10 pandemic lows to about $90 here in February. That is roughly also 800% return. And over the past five months, it has done the exact same thing, consolidated to the side. And what I'm expecting here is going into earnings next week, Pinterest will see a similar follow through as we saw for Snapchat last night. Now, if you look at the business itself, the stock, Pinterest, is just in the early stages of, of revenue growth and turning into profitability. And they're in the early stages of monetization here. So they're actually quite a few quarters behind Snapchat. And I think there's a lot more upside here for this particular name. So the stock is already up 7% on the back of Snapchat earnings yesterday. So I do think that the upside here is less limit, is, is a little bit more limited than what we've seen so far in Snapchat. And the options are extremely expensive, currently still implying about a 12% move going into earnings, despite that being somewhat lower than the, than the average 18% that we've seen here over the last eight quarters. So the trade structure that I'm going to use reflects what I believe is going to be a less uh, a limited upside, or more limited upside compared to Snapchat by going out to the September 3rd expiration, I'm going to sell the 76.66 put credit spread here, collecting about $6.50 for that $76 put, and I'm paying about $2.40 for that $66 put. Net-net here, I'm yeah. collecting $4.10 on this $10 wide credit spread, or about 41% of the width. All right, Mike, I, I gave Tony a chance to comment on your trade. I, I got to do the same, right? Give us a comment on Tony's trade. Do you like the setup on Pinterest? Sure. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to contribute here. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, you know, generally speaking, when I'm looking at going into Catalyst and selling premium, I like to keep those trades a little bit shorter dated than what Tony is doing here. But what actually makes up for it is the amount of premium that he's collecting. Collecting more than 40% of the of the distance between the strikes on a credit spread that's completely out of the money as this one is is actually pretty good uh in terms of setting up a favorable probability for your success on a trade like this because of course if the stock goes sideways or if it goes higher it's going to win if the stock falls 
that's when, and it would have to fall through both strikes to see the maximum loss, and it would have to fall through both of them very rapidly to see the max, max loss here. So actually, when you're collecting more than 40% of the distance between the strikes and premium on a credit spread like this, usually the math is on your side, and so for that reason, I like his setup. All right, good stuff there. A lot of love in the setup for Pinterest as well, a name to watch. All right, a reminder, for everything Options Action, you can check out our website, which is optionsaction.cnbc.com. But ahead of that, here's what's coming up next. Up next, Plugged In. Ford reports earnings on Wednesday, and Professor Coe has an electrified way to play those results. Buckle up, we're breaking down that trade. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. If you have not been paying attention, you should have been. Shares of Ford have been on fire this year, up nearly 60%. Like the tagline used to say, Mike says this rally is built Ford tough. It is time now for the call to action. Mike, take it away with your take on Ford. Yeah, so we've got this company reporting next week. You know, Steve Grosso mentioned in the last half hour that he was concerned about basically the supply situation. You go to dealer lots, there's not a lot of cars out there. He's been waiting for his Ford Bronco. But here's the thing, you know, this chip shortage and a lot of the other basically supply chain problems that the automakers have been facing and leaving these lots relatively empty hasn't hurt them maybe as badly as we might think. And the reason is that we're basically in the lowest discounting period for auto sales that we've seen in a long time. They haven't had to offer big rebates. And so the margins that they're getting, even though they're selling fewer cars, have improved. Ford also, I think, is doing a great job positioning themselves for the EV space. Now, obviously, the Mach-E is a compelling offering, but the really important one is going to be what's going to happen in the light-duty truck segment. And the F-150 Lightning definitely demonstrates that this is a company that both knows how to enter into the EV space and knows their customers really well. And the final thing I would say is that it's just a compelling valuation story. I mean, this is a company that's probably trading around 10 times forward earnings. So it's definitely still on the cheap side, and I like it going into earnings for those reasons. That said, although it has had this great rally, it has traded a little bit weaker over the last several weeks. And so for that reason, going into earnings, my way to make a bullish bet but still mitigate the amount of risk is to take a look at September. I was looking at the 1416 call spread. When I was looking at that $2 wide call spread earlier today, it would cost about $0.54 cents to buy it, obviously. That isn't as small a percentage of that stock price, given that it has a little bit more leverage and therefore the implied volatilities are a little bit higher. But this is a way that you can make a bullish bet that the stock could rebound possibly uh, to the highs that we saw earlier this year after earnings in the two months that follow uh, without risking a great deal to the downside. All right. Interesting trade there. And by the way, I don't have an opinion on the trade. I'm not a fan of the Mach-E. I saw it on the roads recently. It's We'll see what the Mustang fans think. Anyway, that's a car show. This is stock and options show. Carter, what are you seeing in the Ford charts? I've got three of them, and I think the sequencing is good. Let's look at the first. So this is just the chart 
showing the drawdowns greater than 10% since the pandemic low. We're talking about a stock going from 4 to 16. And you see them there, 20 plus percent, 20 plus percent, an 11, a 17, a 20 plus percent. So the question is, what's different about this sell-off than the others? I don't think there's anything different. Next chart. Here's the exact same chart, exact same time frame. We've simply checked back to the penny, to the well defined trend line that the stock has been ascending since its pandemic low. Final chart, charts one and two put together. We have a, a determined and solid uptrend, and we have a 22, 23% sell-off to trend. It's bouncing. I think you follow through, play for a bigger bounce. All right, good chart there. I mean, beautiful looking chart, by the way. Tony, what's your take on Ford and the options side? Yeah, this is one that I like a lot. First of all, Ford seemingly has navigated the chip shortages a little better than most of the car companies, as Mike said. Uh, numbers look fairly strong here. Full year guidance for 2021 looks very strong on the revenue side. And they also have been able to manage uh, these EV launches fairly well. Uh, this was something that GM got a head start on. But uh, Ford so far has been able to convert almost 65% of reservations into actual orders. That's extremely strong. And as Carter showed you, those charts, the pullback to that 13.5 breakout level is constructive, I think, for a, a continuation higher here. So I think this is a stock that's going to revisit that 16 and a half all-time high and potentially higher by the end of the year. Mm. So if you look at the trade structure that Mike used, very clean, very good trade structure from the perspective of being able to be very capital efficient to take that bullish bet going into that $16 um, uh, highs uh, for earnings, risking less than uh, 4% of the underlying stock price in order to do so. Making a lot of Ford investors and maybe Ford retirees that own the stock. Happy Tony and Mike, thank you. All right, up next, Twitter taking flight. And that is great news for one of our traders. We'll give you a big update on a trade that we first brought to you last week. Stick around. Options action is not done yet after this quick break. Welcome back to Options Action. Hope you're having a great Friday. Timeout update you on one of our open trades. Last week, Tony laid out a way to play Twitter into earnings. If you look at the chart itself, the stock has found a base above the $64 level prior to the previous revenue miss. And so far over the past couple of weeks, it started to form another base above this level. And I think this is the opportunity for it to now continue back towards that $80 all-time high for Twitter. If you look at the business itself, we're looking at about 30% top-line growth here over the next few years. And it's a stock that's inherently pr uh, uh, profitable, uh, unlike some of its other peers, yet it trades at a fairly substantial discount to those peers. So for those reasons, this is a stock that I think is justified in terms of trading at a higher valuation. So the trade structure I'm using here is selling a put credit spread. I'm going out to the August 27th weekly expiration, and I'm selling the 66.60 put vertical here, collecting about $4.70 for that August 27th uh, $66 put, and then spending about $2.25 for that $60 put. Net-net here, I'm collecting about $2.45. All right, Twitter climbing more than 3% today on the back of earnings. So far, so good. Good call, Tony. But hey, now what? Yeah, so this August 27th, 66.60 put is now trading for only about 90 cents here as of today's close. So you've made a little bit more than 60% of the max profit on this particular trade. So it's time to take your profits and move on to the next trade.
Take your profits, move on to the next trade. By the way, we'll get some of those next trades soon because coming up, we are taking some of your tweets and your investment questions. Stick with us. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's wrap it up as we always do. Time now to take some of your tweets. And our first viewer asks, what are your thoughts on AMD options with earnings approaching Mike? Yeah, so taking a look at AMD, the implied volatility of one-month options a little bit over 40, so relatively expensive. The news that came out of Intel, I don't necessarily think the bad part on the margins would necessarily pass on to AMD. So I think call spreads, looking at that 97 level, which is where the stock was higher, as a point of potential resistance is the way to play your bullish play into earnings. All right. And our next viewer asks, thoughts on Visa and MasterCard going into earnings next week? People are spending more, so should be an earnings beat and future should be positive as well. Both look like they're trying to break out or, Tony, and it's a great point, am I trying to convince myself? It's it's a great point. Confirmation bias. It absolutely is. And the two companies, while very similar to each other, couldn't be more different. If you just look at a relative chart of both stocks to the market, Visa over the last few months outperforming the market, MasterCard underperforming the market. So my take is buy Visa, sell MasterCard. Buy Visa, sell MasterCard. And the final tweet, Carter, this one is going to you. Here we go. You guys think XLP gets to 74 by September. I think it does. It's toying with the prospect of a breakout. We know it's a very defensive sector. Top three stocks are 35%. I think you want to be long. Want to be long, XLP. Guys, fantastic show. Carter, Mike, Tony, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.